0: Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're going to conclude this series that we've called Welcome Home. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. And uh, this series has really been about a parable that Jesus is responding. Parables are stories that Jesus would tell when people didn't understand spiritual principles. He would use natural stories to illustrate spiritual principles. So you and I could understand what Jesus wanted to say. And I'm so grateful that he had a heart for people that he would talk in a way that we can understand. Anybody grateful for that? But Jesus is telling a parable because the Pharisees, and these were the rulers, the religious rulers of the day, they were mad at Jesus. That's interesting, right? Being mad at Jesus. Why were they mad at Jesus? They were mad at Jesus because he was receiving sinners and tax collectors. To be honest with you, he was sitting with them. Oftentimes he would eat with them. Oftentimes and other times he would go to their, their houses with them. And, uh, and he would do that. And the Pharisees were criticizing Jesus. And I've entitled today's message, the heart of the father in the son. You know, what's interesting is that the reason why they were criticizing Jesus is because they really didn't know the heavenly father's heart. And the more that I've been a pastor and the longer that I've been a pastor, I've realized that there's a lot of people that still don't realize the heart of God's. the God our Father. There's people who are lost who have not realized the heart that God has. But you know, there's people in church that have been in church for years and they still don't realize the heart of God. But one thing that was interesting about Jesus is that wherever he went when he was on the earth, people who were far from God loved Jesus. The sinners loved Jesus and he would attract all of these large And I asked myself this question, what was it about Jesus that he would acquire or he would attract all of these people far from God? that would want to hear him. When you look in the New Testament, 167 times it says a crowd gathered around Jesus. And these weren't people that were in robes singing hymns. These were people with hangovers and histories. Come on, somebody, right? And they, were, they had hangovers. I mean, these were sinners, but they loved gathering around Jesus. 167 times it says in the Bible that a crowd gathered. Can I give you a couple of these? these scriptures. It's pretty interesting. Let me show you a couple of these. Matthew chapter four, verse 25 says large crowds. Everybody say that with me. Say large crowds. If you guys would help me, can you turn my microphone down, please? I I would appreciate that. Turn me down just a little bit. Everybody say large crowds. Matthew four, large crowds followed him from wherever he went, people from Galilee, the 10 towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea and from the east of the Jordan River. Luke chapter eight, verse 21, look at this. As the crowds increased, Jesus said. So as Jesus was talking, guess what? The crowds were increasing. Matthew chapter eight, verse one, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And I asked myself this question, what was it about Jesus that these large crowds, people who were far away from God, always wanted to be around him. Can I submit to you that there's a lot of reasons? But one of the reasons was was because Jesus made people who were far from God his mission. His mission. This was Jesus' model. This is actually why he came. You know, the Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, it says, When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. You know what? I love what Luke 19 says. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and saved, lost, people. And so we've been in this parable, Luke chapter 15. You may have known it. It's a very famous parable. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. And I think that the the people who put the subtitles in the Bible, I don't think they did a really good job because to be honest with you, when you read Luke 15, it's really about the heavenly father's heart. So oftentimes we hear about the prodigal son, but really it's a parable explaining God's heart to religious people. But not only that, Jesus was not only talking to the religious people that were criticizing him, he was sitting with sinners. So he was talking to them as well about God's heart for them. But I think sometimes when we just focus on the prodigal son, then you know what? We miss out on the revelation that God has about the heart of the father. And so what I like to call act one was the prodigal son. And we've spent two weeks talking about how the father reacted to the son, the gifts that the father gave to the son when he repented. It was pretty amazing. But you know, I would encourage you if you have not w- listen to those messages, go on YouTube, Passion Life Church, Marietta, watch the last two weeks. It is the epitome of grace. Anybody thankful for God's grace today? Come on, can I hear you? Is anybody thankful for God's grace? We looked at how the father welcomed home the son. That's why we called the series Welcome Home. That's why you see on our banners and and different places in, in our marketing at the church, Welcome Home. It wasn't just a cool phrase. It's actually taken from this parable, how God the father welcomes sinners home. I just encourage you to go and listen to that. That was act one. But I think if we just focus on that, we would really be missing God's heart. Today, we're going to look at act two because we are going to be introduced to another character in the Bible. See, there it was another son. We know about the prodigal son, but in this parable, there's another brother. There's another son. He's the brother to the prodigal son. He's the older brother. And we're introduced to him. Now he stays in the house. He never leaves the house like the prodigal son leaves the house. But if you were to really read this story, what we would realize is that this brother, the older brother, is just as lost as the younger brother. See, there's two ways that you can become lost in the father's house. One is we can get lost running from God. We mess up. We run from God. We want a life apart from God. So we run from God. And we saw what happened with the prodigal son. He comes back. He has nothing. He wasted all his inheritance. He doesn't feel like he has purpose in his life. So he comes Back. But one way we can get lost is we can just, man, run from God. And you know what? Let me just encourage you. If you are here today and you're running from God, can I just tell you, there is a father who loves you and has his arms open wide to you. And he wants to say, welcome home. You know, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, come home. Stop running from him and running, run to him. Can I hear a good amen today? But we can get lost running from God. But you know that there's another way? The second way that we can get lost in, in our relationship with God is we can get lost in self-righteousness. Who in self-righteousness. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, I'm telling you, this is something that we have to fight against. And what you're going to find out is that for some of you, you may identify with the first son. Man, the first son was the crazy, wild sinner. And you may identify with that. But for some of us who have been a Christian for a while, right, you may start identifying more with the older brother. And if you're not careful, this older brother you know what? You can develop a syndrome that I call OBS. Now, not IBS, not irritable bowel syndrome. That's not what I'm talking about today, but I'm talking about OBS. Here's what OBS is. Older brother syndrome. Older brother syndrome. What is older brother syndrome? Older brother syndrome is when you lose your heart, God's heart, for lost People and people who are far from God. And I want to show you how this plays out in this story because in this story, the father represents God. He's a God. He forgave the younger brother. He came home. He clothed him. He killed the fatted calf. And then he throws a huge party to celebrate. And now the story is going to shift to Act Two. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Did you find it? If not, that's all right. It's on the big screen in the back. It says this, meanwhile, so I want you to think about this. There's a huge party that the father has thrown for the son. It's a huge party. They're singing and dancing. And then it's almost like when you when you hear this word, meanwhile, it's almost like the, the movie soundtrack shifts to dun, dun, dun. I mean, it just moves. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? He said, the servant says, verse 27, your brother. He replied, your father has filled the, has killed the fatted calf. Somebody say, carnes of the tacos. He's killed the fatted calf because he has come back safe and sound. But the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered the father, look, all these years. Now I want you to hear this, right? Because he's angry. The older brother. He's got OBS and here's, here's what he's doing. He's, he's angry. He says, look, all these years, he's talking to his father. I've been slaving for you and you've never, and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes and he comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son. The father says, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Listen to these words from our heavenly father. We had to celebrate. We had to celebrate and be glad because his, this brother of yours was dead and he has come to life again. He was lost and now he's found. Today, what I want to do is I want to give you three signs that maybe you're developing this OBS, what I call older brother syndrome. Number one, you don't like it when the party isn't centered around you. You don't like it when the party isn't centered about you. You feel like it should be about you all the time. You know, there's two that are angry that the, that the, the younger brother came home. Number one, the older brother is angry, and so is the fatted calf that got killed. Come on, somebody. Right? That's the reality. He, he's, he's angry. But I want you to see the heart of the father. The heart of the father is throwing a huge celebration. Now, we may not understand the scope of killing the fatted calf and just having some tacos, but in this time, this was a delicacy. What do I mean by that? This would be the equivalent of you renting out Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and not just renting a table, but renting out the whole restaurant, inviting all of your neighborhood, inviting all of your family and friends to eat Ruth's Chris Steak, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, $70 a steak, a steak that they age for like, I don't know, 40 days or whatever. I mean, this is huge. It was a huge, huge day. It was a great day in the father's house. It was probably the biggest celebration that they have ever had. But Mr. OBS, right, the older brother, you know, he's suffering from this syndrome. He hears dancing. People are partying. People are having a great meal. But he won't go in. And you know why he won't go in? He won't go in because the party was not thrown for him. And when you think about why the party was thrown, the Heavenly Father, the Father actually comes out to the older brother because he notices that the older brother's not at the party. Aren't you glad that God notices where we're at? So he not only, this father not only ran to the prodigal son when he came home, the father walks outside of the party looking for the older son. Because I want to tell you something. Not only does God love the prodigal son, he also loves the self-righteous people as well. And so he won't go in. But I want you to understand the magnitude of the party. The party is they're celebrating a resurrection. They're celebrating a man who was lost, dead to God. And now he has come alive again. What a celebration. I'm telling you, that's a reason to celebrate. And I'm also telling you that the heart of God, he loves to celebrate life. Can I hear a good amen today? He loves to celebrate life, but listen, when the older brother finds out who the party's for, he's like, "Wait, wait what? We're celebrating my younger brother, the bad one, the, the, the one who, who uh, had he went to Vegas, he lost everything, hanging out with prostitutes. And here's, here's my question: How does this brother know what the younger brother's doing? Was he trolling him on Instagram? Did he send out spies to find out what his younger brother was doing? This younger brother not only did all that he did, but he obviously had some type of reputation. But this brother would not celebrate. And he even tells him, your brother was dead. We had to celebrate. You know, when I think about death, when he says, your brother was death. See, death is a life apart from your relationship with God. True life only flows From our heavenly father. But see, this is is interesting because the older brother, he wouldn't go in because it wasn't centered on him and who he thinks he is. Listen, and what he deserves. He won't celebrate somebody else. And you know what's interesting to me is that this is the epitome of self-righteousness. Watch. I can't celebrate unless I'm the center. It's the epitome of self-righteousness. See, here's the thing about self-righteousness. You don't always see it, but you know how it's revealed? And how you treat other people. You know what the Bible says? Jesus said, when you do it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. It's not how you treat your best friend. It's how you treat the people that are least to you. Jesus says, you've done it to me. You've done it to me, but self-righteousness, you don't always see it, but it's revealed in how you treat people. I can't celebrate a miracle unless I'm the center. Can I ask you a question? How are you about celebrating other people? How are you about celebrating other people's miracles? Right? And most people won't, most people won't celebrate other people's miracles until they say, I got to get mine first. I got to get mine first. I won't celebrate unless I'm the center. And here's the reality. This attitude has, has crept into the church. I, today for me is a little tough. This message is a little tough because I can preach about lost people. I can preach about winning lost people. I love lost people. I have a heart for lost people. To be honest with you, I would rather, if I had to pick, I would rather listen, hang out with lost and a lost person who's on drugs, who man's going through it than a self-righteous person. I, I it's just that there's there certain things that, you know, it's, it's almost like the nails on, on the, uh, on the blackboard. That to me, when, when the people are self-righteous, it, it just, it's really tough for me. So I have to look at, because the father not only loves the prodigal, he loves the brother with OBS as well. And so listen, this attitude, I can't celebrate unless I'm the center has actually crept inside the church. Right. And, uh, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody uh, recently and, uh, I was talking about, we were just talking about church and they were telling me how they weren't attending church. And now here's the reality. They've been saved for probably about 20 years, right? Child of God for about 20 years. And, uh, and they told me how they're not going to church. And this was the response. I said, well, I, I'm curious. I'm always curious why people don't want to go to church, right? And, uh, and I know that I've been to churches that I probably wouldn't want to go to because it's, it's a, just a funeral. It's like going to a funeral. But this is not the picture of God's house that we see in this story. It's a house of celebration. It's a house of, of joy. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? It's a house of, of celebration. And I'm going to say this as Christians, we got to get back to celebrating because our father loves to celebrate. There's a lot of Christians who don't know how to celebrate. Can I hear a good amen today? And so the reality is I was talking to this person and I was saying, well, why don't you go to church and listen to these words? I'm not going because, you know, I went the other day and what the pastor was talking about was um, just, it was just too simple. It was just too simple. And so I thought I already know that. So you know what? I'm going to stay home and I'm going to read my Bible by myself. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. I'm not going to go, sell. okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you realize that sometimes these messages are simple because we're talking to a plethora of people, Do you understand that sometimes we need to go back and talk about the love of God that may, as I have found as as a pastor, is very simple. But some people still, after years, still don't understand the love of God. Can I hear a good amen? And I'm going to say it because the people that tell me that they do understand the love of God, if you understand it and you understood the love of God, you wouldn't act the way you acted. So when there's a message that seems simple, but can I also tell you, you may have a full revelation of what I'm talking about, but we don't just come to God's house to be the center. We come to God's house to celebrate with other people who are going to go from death to life. Can I hear a good amen today? It's all about me. And you know, I didn't like that message. And I I know, yeah, but did you ever think that the person three seats down for you, may be on the brink of suicide and they need a resurrection in your life, but now I'm going to stay home and I'm going to read my Bible by myself. Go ahead, OBS. Go ahead. And here's my question. Is that really the heart of God in you? That you've been in church for 20 years, but you can't come and celebrate somebody else's miracle? You know, I was in the same church for almost 20 years. And I could tell you something. I knew my pastor's messages. I knew them. And sometimes they would repeat series. I already knew what scriptures he was gonna to go to before he went to him because I knew my pastor. I knew the word, but can I just tell you, I didn't go because I always needed a word. I actually went to church to celebrate with other people who needed the word that he was going to preach. Can I hear a good amen today? And we have allowed this OBS to come into our, our mind that, well, I didn't like that worship song. And you know what, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you can't celebrate unless it's all about you. You better watch out. That's the older brother syndrome creeping into your life. And let me just say it because it needs to be said, and I'm going to say it because when this is my whole, uh, if you want to say my whole um, parade today, and God forbid a Christian come in contact with you. God forbid a Christian coming in contact with self righteous people. You know what happens? Those people see self righteous people and they say, I don't want to be involved in that house. And this is why Jesus was talking, because the Pharisees were criticizing him and the sinners were right there. You can't celebrate unless it's about you. Total different attitude than David. David said this in Psalm 84. He said, one day in your courts, God, one day is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. He says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. He said, ask me to be a greeter in God's house because you know what? I have the father's heart and people are coming and they're coming home. Sinners are coming home. People who were dead are becoming alive. I wanna be a doorkeeper in my father. Father's house. Man, that's what I want. That's what I want. See, the older brother represents the Pharisee. It's the Pharisee in him. And even though the older brother uh, has been in the house, he's the older brother, he still doesn't have the father's heart. My church family, this is troubling. That you can be in the father's house, but never know the father's heart. That's troubling to me. I don't want to be, I don't want to suffer from OB. I don't want to be in the father's house and people look at me and go, man, are you even saved? Because all you think about is yourself. Man, so maturity isn't based on time. Can I tell you what the Bible talks about and how we know if we're a mature Christian or not? Because Jesus was telling the Pharisees that righteousness is a gift from his father and you, you have to receive it by faith. Righteousness is not earned by the works that you do. And here's the reality. The older brother is consumed so much with his own works. So much with his own performance that he can't even celebrate somebody else's miracle. He's so consumed with himself, right, that he misses the grace of God and the true heart of the father. So you have to understand what the father did for the prodigal son was more based on the father and his character than what the son brought and what the son did. The, the gifts and the way that he reacted to the son was that is the character of the heavenly father. You cannot earn it. You cannot perform for it. You cannot buy it. It's simply the grace of God. Here's what you have to do. You have to receive it. You have to re- receive forgiveness for your sins. You have to receive it. But he couldn't understand it because he was so consumed with his own works and performance. But he's so consumed with his performance and his work that he never grows. See, you can be in God's house for 20 years and never mature. Never mature. And I want to tell you how the, God, how the Bible defines maturity. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. See, there are some of you that are watching online and you're in church. You actually should already be teaching other people. You've been in church for so long, you actually should be associate pastors. You actually should have your own life groups now. You should actually be praying with people. You should actually be ministering to people by now. If we were just to go by years, he says, for this time you ought to be teachers. You need, but now you need someone to teach you again. The very first principles of the oracles of God. Watch this. And you have need for milk and not solid food. Who eats milk? Babies. But watch what he's going to define as a child in the faith. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled. Watch this. Is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason or use of their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Watch this, my church family. If you don't understand righteousness, you're still a babe. Even if you've been in the church for 20 years. Because righteousness is not something you perform to get righteousness is something that you receive by the grace of God. And not only do you receive it, but when you receive the righteousness of God, listen, when you receive the grace of God, you can give grace to other people. You can give the same forgiveness that you have received to other people. Let me say it this way. When you understand who God is, and the father heart of God, the father heart of God starts to be reflected in his sons and his daughters. Have you ever been around a self-righteous person? Have you ever? They are not pleasant. And I want to tell you this, they don't reflect the heart of God. And let me tell you what self-righteousness leads to, a bunch of anger. You know, Anger is the result of self-righteousness, but joy is the result of grace. It's funny. He's out there pouting and people are in the house dancing, man. They're having a great time, man. They're doing the two. I mean, I don't know if they were playing country music or what they were playing. I don't know if they were doing the cha-cha-cha song. I don't know if they were doing the electric slide, but the Bible says their dancing was so loud that he could hear it coming out to the house, but he's outside and he's angry, watch, instead of being joyful. Oh God, raise us up some joyful Christians. Raise us up some Christians who know how to celebrate. Raise us up some Christians that would take their eyes off themselves. And I pray, and it's my prayer this week that God would restore to us the joy of our salvation. Come on, somebody, that somebody would celebrate. And that's the thing about self-righteous people. They're always mad. Always getting into Facebook fights with people. Don't shout me down because I'm talking about you. I don't even read Christian posts anymore because not because the posts, because the Christian people that love to go online and fight with each other. And guess what? How many people have you converted by fighting with somebody on Facebook? How many people have you helped by fighting with other people on Facebook? Zero, my friend. Zero. Because you know what people don't want? They don't want your words, they want your actions. Second sign that you could be getting into some OBS is that you have a slave mentality. Do you know what self-righteousness does? Self-righteousness actually changes, it changes how you see yourself. I wanna show you something, Luke chapter 15, verse 29. The self-righteous brother, the older brother, listen to what he's telling his father. He says, look, all of these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Now I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you believe that this son never, never disobeyed the father once? How many of you believe that? Because if you do, I'll tell you a lot more. So right here, here's what we see. Liar, liar, pumpkin eater. No, it's liar, liar, pants on fire, cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. So he is now putting up his own works to the Father. And he's saying, I've never once disobeyed you. It's an absolute lie. And look at how he sees himself because of his own self-righteousness. I'm slaving for you, God. How many of you believe Jesus died on the cross to forgive us? of our sins so he could raise a bunch of slaves. How many of you believe that? Anybody believe that? Then why do we act like that sometimes? Do you know what Jesus said? He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you don't, you can be out. But this isn't about slavery. This is about loving your heavenly father enough to share in the joy that he shares. And so here's what I found out about being self-righteous is it's exhausting. But the truth is you're never fulfilled. You're never fulfilled. And here's the reality. I want you to think about this. A self-righteous person, it not only changes the way you see yourself, it changes the way you see your heavenly father. He's literally looking at his father. This is a person who's looking at God and basically saying, you've cheated me. And he tells him, he says, listen, listen, You've cheated me. And he's accusing the the father of not blessing him based on his performance. And he tells the father this. He says, look, I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. And then he says this. How many of you know one lie always leads to another lie? He says, you didn't even give me a goat. A goat? What, What are you talking about? So he sees himself as a slave, and he thinks now, which to me is crazy, that all he's earned is a goat? I'm telling you how twisted this is, my church family, because it changes the way you see your heavenly father, because here's the truth. If you'll go back and if you will read in Luke, Luke chapter 11 verse 15, verse 12, it says this, when the younger brother came to ask the father for his inheritance, it says this, the father gave it to both of them. And the older brother, being that he was the older brother, he didn't just get a goat. He actually got a double portion. So the Bible says that when the younger brother came and asked, the father divided to them at that time, the brother, he got a double portion. And now he's accusing God of being unfair. Come on, somebody. Now he's accusing God of withholding from him. And This is what self-righteousness will do. It'll cause you to miss out on the blessings you already have. Isn't it amazing? A guy who got a double portion of a wealthy father, we know that they were wealthy because of the way they lived, through self-righteousness is now mad because he doesn't even get a goat. It's a warped thinking, warped thinking He doesn't have the father's heart. He thinks he's a slave because of his work and he's not getting what he deserved. Can I just tell you something? We should be thankful that God doesn't give us what we deserve. Because if he gave us what we deserved, then that means we wouldn't have a God who has mercy. Mercy is when God doesn't give you what you deserve. Grace is when God gives you even when you don't deserve it. That's our heavenly father. And he's already lied to him twice. So who knows what's going on with this guy? But here's my point, my church family. I'm not here today to beat anybody over the head. Even if you are suffering from OBS and you're going through and you are self-righteous, here's what I wanna tell you. You're missing out on experiencing the joy and everything that God has for you. Because if you play tit for tat with God and you better give me everything Thing that I deserve and when I work and when I serve and did you see me I went to church today so I better have a good week thank God can I just be honest with you you should be in church every Sunday hello you should be here God I went points how many I want to tell you something I come to church because I love my dad I love my heavenly father and when we come together, this is his house and I love being in the presence of my heavenly father and my other brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I hear a good amen? And I also love being and celebrating when people give their lives to Jesus. I'm here for a young man. He's not here today, but I'm here today because there's a young man by the name of Lucius who two weeks in a row has driven his bike because he doesn't have a car. He's 16 years old and he rides his bike from Winchester 30 minutes in 90 degree weather to come to church because he says, I'm tired of playing games with God. Bro, we're going to celebrate. That's why I'm here. I'm here for the people who want their marriages restored. We want to celebrate with you. I'm here for the people who says, I'm ready to get right with God and come back to this man. Man, here's a church that says, welcome home. Come on, somebody. That's why we're in God's house. So the evidence of self-righteousness is a slave mentality. But the evidence of sonship is righteousness received by faith. See, here's what happens. Your works keep you focused. Or let me say it this way, the way I wrote it in your notes. Your Your works keep you at the center. Grace keeps the Father at the center. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him. But... When I have a slave mentality, why is that? Because it's all about me. But see, the evidence of sonship is righteousness is received by faith. By faith. Now I want to say this. I find this so interesting because the older brother is talking to the father about a goat. And look, I, I, sometimes I just lift up my hands and I praise God because I'm like, God, how do you handle people like us sometimes? Like we're just so bipolar. He's talking to the son, listen, about a goat, and yet he has an invitation to come eat steak. He has an invitation to a steak dinner, but he wants his own goat. And here's what I've realized. The father said these words. Listen to these words. He told the older brother, watch, we have to celebrate. We have. That means you. See, I didn't kill the fatted calf just for the younger brother, I killed the, 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 the fatted calf so we could celebrate too. So you could experience the love. And watch this, ready? You could experience the joy that I get from giving. Now, whether you're suffering from OBS or you're a son that's coming back, the father wants to kill the fatted calf because here's the principle. When you celebrate with other people, you may have some joy too. Because if I'm just looking for joy in my own life, many people who have been in the church are suffering and they're stuck. You know why? Because they don't understand how to celebrate and experience the joy of other people. You know, the Bible says this. The Bible says that when you refresh other people, you become refreshed. Can I hear a good amen today? I have been around things where it wasn't all about me. But you know what? When I celebrated other people, I had just as much fun. here's the truth. This is the father's heart. And he wanted the older son to experience his heart and his grace. But he couldn't because he wanted a goat. And in front of him, he's being invited to a steak dinner to celebrate, to dance, to sing. Man, you say, Pastor Phil, why are you so passionate about this self-righteousness because it'll keep you from receiving God's best. But can I just tell you, who was it that put Jesus on the cross? It was the self-righteous religious people that could not see who Jesus was. God standing in front of them and they could not recognize him because they were so consumed with their own performance. And yet you have a God, Jesus in the flesh, who when a woman was caught in the act of adultery, they bring him right, they bring her right to him. And he says, where are your accusers? He says, I don't condemn you. So go and sin no more. Because that is the heart of the Father. What is that? The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, whosoever, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, whosoever believes, that's the faith, will have everlasting life. Jesus did not, did not come into the world to condemn the world, but through him that the world might be saved. And Jesus said, You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Number three, and the last one for today is a sign of OBS, is you have a I'm a you have an I'm better than them spirit. I'm better than them. See, self-righteousness not only changes the way you look at yourself, not only changes the way you look at your father, but. It changes the way you look at other people. And let me tell you, this is a phrase of the self-righteous. At least I'm not like them. At least. At least I don't, yeah. At least I don't, I don't, I don't do that. Right in front of the father, this older brother begins to list out the sins of his younger brother. List them out. But you know what? He doesn't even look in the mirror to see where he needs help. Man, that's such a tragedy. And so this son is so angry that he's actually now disconnecting from the family because he says, this son of yours. He doesn't even say my brother. He can't even say his own brother. He says, this son of yours. And so this tells you that he is so disconnected from the father's heart, in the father's house, disconnected from the father's heart. I pray my church family, that we will never become an older brother church. I pray that we would be a church that is the father's house with the heart of the father. Can I hear a better amen than that? Come on, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. So those who do not think that their own sins make up I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, for those who do not think about their own sins, make up for it by thinking incessantly about the sins of others. You know why? Because you don't have to deal with yourself. And so the objective for putting other people down is, again, to make yourself feel better, look righteous. My church family, you can put a thousand people down. That's still not going to make you righteous. Because the only way that you can be righteous is by grace through faith. And here's the reality for us that have been a Christian for a while. Look at what Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says. We're not supposed to be putting people down. We're not supposed to be shying away from people that are hurting. Look at this. Brothers, if any is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him. And in a spirit of gentleness, keep watch on yourself. lest you should be tempted to. Tempted to do what? Tempted to despise people because they're not like you. Tempted to despise people because of their sins, yet look well on your own. There's a whole lot of stuff in our world right now that's going really wrong. And it's so easy To have OBS and go, I never struggled with that. No, but you struggled with other stuff. Come on, don't look at me like I'm snow white. Come on, somebody. You struggled with other things. And you know what? The same forgiveness that God gave you, he wants to give them. Can I hear a good amen today? You know that word, he says, you who are spiritual. That word spiritual means a person who is governed by the spirit of God. Man, that's powerful. One who is filled and governed by the Spirit of God. We should restore. You know what that word restore means? It means we should be strengthening people. It means perfect, complete, but watch this. Make one that he ought to be. So for me as a spiritual person, being 30 years as a Christian, my job is not to kick people when they're down. My job is to help to get people where they need to be. And part of that is they need to see the Father heart of God in the Son. And you and I are the sons and daughters of God. And the whole purpose of Jesus' coming was to reveal the Father. And when you look at Jesus, you see the heart of the Father. And the goal of our Father God is that when the world looks at us, they see in the Son the Father heart of God. I told somebody the other day, if you come to Passion Life Church, and you walk out and you're thinking about yourself and your sins and your condemnation, I didn't do a good job. But if you walk out of Passion Life Church and you're more focused on Jesus and the heart of the Father, then I did my job. I could come in here every week and beat people down. But you know what? You're already in touch with your own failures and mistakes. Can I hear a good amen? And so what we need to hear is we need to hear about a loving father who goes out and he wants his kids to have the same heart as he has. Can I hear a good amen today? And I want to close with this. It's interesting because Luke 15 is all about the father heart of God. And so there's actually three parables One is the lost sheep. You've heard these. You probably have heard songs about them on Christian radio. He leaves the 99, right? And he goes after the one. First interpretation, right? Oh, man, God loves me so much. He leaves the 99 for me. I'm so blessed. That's a great interpretation. You need to know that. The other parable is about a lost coin, a woman who lost a coin. Now, this is real to some of you ladies because you use your purse. You lose your purse with some money in it, man. You're going cray, cray. You're going, man. I need to find. Out. And he gives this illustration of a woman who loses a coin, and she has such urgency. I gotta find this coin. And first interpretation, you go, man. God, he loves me. He doesn't want me to experience. All of these things, there's an urgency about coming to his house. And then there's the lost son who we see, Jesus is saying, there's a father who has his arms wide open. And so, first interpretation for us is like, man, we have a father who I can run to. But some of us never really understand that that's not all Jesus was talking about. What he was saying is when the father's heart is in you, listen you will leave your 99 Christian friends because you are so concerned about the person at work who needs prayer and needs Jesus because that's what the Father did for you that you can now do for other people. See, when you have the Father heart, this other interpretation is when you have the Father's heart in you, guess what happens? Now you have an urgency for lost people. We don't wanna see anyone on our watch in Marietta go to hell. We wanna see people Receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and become children of God and experience the Father's heart. Because why? Because the Father's heart is in us, right? And so when you look at the parable of the lost son, what is Jesus saying to the Pharisees who are dealing with self-righteousness? When the father's heart is in you, you would be doing exactly what I'm doing, sitting with sinners and welcoming them home because the father heart of God is always reflected in the son. Let me say it this way. The father heart of God should always be reflected in God's people. Can I hear a good amen today and some of us need to graduate from act one where we are saying god's leaving the 99 for me he is but let me ask you this who in your christian circles are you walking out of to to minister to to look for who is it in your life that's hurting that you haven't gone after is it because you are not going to celebrate unless you're the center are you the type of person that is just going to be so consumed with yourself that you're not urgent And welcoming to other people who may be in the exact same place where you were years ago. And my church family, I want us to be a church with the Father heart of God. I'll close with this. You know, at 19 years old, I grew up in church. uh, Had some good experiences, some bad experiences. But I got in so much trouble my dad was a pastor, that I had to move to New Jersey to finish out my senior year because uh, there were some people who wanted to kill me, different things had happened. And so I was living with my aunt at the time. At 19 years old, I got down on my knees, and I was going to take my life. And I, I, I just prayed, and I said, God, I'm going to give this, this my last resort. I, I want to I take my life. And I feel like the Lord spoke to me and said, take your life, give it to me, and I'll give you back a life that you never dreamed of. And he's done that. But I remember my aunt saying, look, if you're going to stay here at our house, you're going to go to church with us. I said, all right. And I'll never forget this. When I got to church, there were two young guys there, my age. They were pastor's kids. So I related. And I remember them just walking up to me and they made me felt like I belonged. They made me, and they didn't know my past. They didn't know but they said, hey, you play guitar? Yeah, I play guitar. Hey, man, let's jam together. And here's what it was. I started to see the heart of the father in two young men. Listen, they didn't have the whole Bible memorized. One of them even cussed every once in a while. I'm like, okay, I can relate to these people. And they said, hey, why don't you come surfing with us? Why don't you belong with us? In my church family, it changed my life because there were people who had a heart like the father to bring in prodigal son. And you know, at the time they had gone to Bible college, they knew the word of God, but they put all that side aside. Why? Because, and they were, they were pastoring a church because they left all the church people to hang out with some guy named Phil. They made some time. They were urgent about us hanging out and they made me feel like I belong. And I'm telling you today, I experienced the love of a heavenly father because there were two kids who were sons of God who had the heart of the father in them. In my church family, that's what we need to be. Would you stand with me today? And if you received today's word, would you give the Lord a good round of applause today? And you know, today was a little bit more intense than than normal when you talk about self-righteousness. But I want to know, and I want everybody to know watching, and I want everybody to know in the house today that God loves you just as much. And he gave the older brother his inheritance. But God forbid that God has all of these things that he's given us. But we're so self-centered that we can't even enjoy the father's house. Let me say this and I'm gonna pray. The genius of Jesus and him telling this story, do you know that the story cuts off and you don't even know what happens to the older brother? He, Jesus doesn't tell us. And you know why I think that is? I think that is, is because it's gonna be dependent on what the older brother does. Is he gonna enjoy his father, his father's house, the inheritance, or is he going to live angry? Guess what? As great as the father is, the choice still lies with the brother. And I say that today because as we pray, the choice, as great as our heavenly father is today, the choice depends on you. What are you going to do? Are you going to come in the house? Are you going to come home to your father, God? his house, his place for his people. Are you humble enough to recognize your own sin and say, God, yeah, I made some mistakes. And today I wanna be forgiven. Forgive me of all of my sin. I wanna be a child of God. Now, this OBS is gonna start to rise up and go, no, you did this, no, you did that. Yeah, but look at what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. And what Jesus did is greater than what you will ever do. But you got a choice to receive God's grace that he gives freely, or you have a choice to say, no, what I did was too bad. My church family, that's self-righteousness. It's also pride to say that what you did outweighs what Jesus did on the cross. And today, he's here with his arms open wide to say, welcome home to you. Would you bow your heads and let's pray? Man, I feel God's presence. I feel his heart. I feel his heart for people today. He's ready to love you. He wants you to step into the inheritance that he has for you. I feel I don't deserve an inheritance from God. I know none of us do. That's what makes him so good. He's good and true. He's not too good to be true. He's good and he's true. And the inheritance that he has for you is all by his grace today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you this opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity to, to shun away self-righteousness and today to be humble and received. Just like the prodigal son when he came back home, the father said, I want to give you a robe. I want to give you shoes. I want to kill the fatted calf for you. I want to put a ring on your finger. You just say, yes, God, I receive it. That's righteousness. I receive it. Righteousness is a gift to you today. If you've never asked Jesus to come inside your heart, if you've never said a prayer and invited Jesus to come and forgive you of all your sins, today's your day. Today's the day of salvation. Come home today. Man, we're not here to judge you. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to wrap our arms around you. And We want to celebrate with you today. So would you pray with me if you've never prayed? Say this, say it with faith. Would you repeat after me? Say, Father God, come on, say it loud. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, come inside my heart and make me a child of God. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will live for you. In Jesus' name, And amen. Passion Life Church, can we give everybody that prayed that prayer for the very first time a great round of applause? And here's what we want to tell you today. If you prayed that prayer, welcome home. And this is what the Bible says. All the old things has passed away because God is good. And today you are a new creature. Yeah, you may make mistakes, but I just want to tell you, when you do, just say, Father, thank you for your forgiveness because the Father heart of God wants to wrap his arms around you and he wants you to step into everything good that he has for you. Can we give them one more great round of applause? Welcome home. So here's what you got to do. Listen, on your way out, there's some following Jesus books. Grab one of those. And can I encourage you? Come back to church and be a part of the house. I know people are on vacation right now. It's back and forth. But listen, when you can't come to God's house, and here's the second in my encouragement for some of us that have been around for a while. It's time to get plugged into Father's house. It's time to start serving in the Father's house and planning and help us plan celebrations for people who come home. We need greeters at our church. We need people in God's house to help with the celebration. We need musicians. You know, we need ushers. We need children's workers. Why? Because we, every Sunday, we're planning a celebration for people who are coming back in the house. Can I hear a good amen today? And let me just say this and I'll let you go. We don't want to be people who are going to say, if the party is not centered around me, I won't attend. We want to be people who are ready to celebrate with the Father in His house. Can I hear a good amen today? Amen. God bless you. Listen, we love you. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.